0: Four o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702 577 2600.
1: Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield on a Wednesday. Here is the Cosmopolitan. All right, John. Biggest football news of the day, or at least what we think is most interesting. Let's get into it. <laughs> JBT, what do you think, Aaron Rodgers, celebrating the Bucks and Giannis? He's coming back.
2: Yeah, it means absolutely nothing.
1: <laughs> hey,
2: look, he's been in the community for a really long time. I would assume that he's probably established some sort of fandom for the team. He's been spotted at games in years past. You know, probably he's got a, he's
1: got he's got the smallest of smallest uh, uh percentage of ownership. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. So yep. He's actually going to get a ring, so he's actually a Bucks owner. So there we go. So yes, of course. Yeah. Of course he's going to be happy. <laughs> right. More money. Yes. But it doesn't mean he's coming back. Uh, it means nothing, yeah. And I, I got to tell you, when I read stuff like this, and it's a rando tweeter, uh, someone tweeted at uh, one of the guys doing uh, gambling radio for uh, CBS National and said, uh, Giannis is now the star in Wisconsin. Bye-bye, Aaron. Okay. I can't mm-hmm. root for any- Like I was happy last night to see Giannis win, but I'm not happy for folks from Wisconsin. Well, I think they're some of the most annoying fans in the entire country. Uh, well, I would say over the last uh, couple
2: of months, Suns fans were becoming one of the more annoying fan well, bases. B-
1: both sides. It wasn't yeah. like you weren't going to be on the side of one of the, the fan bases, this, this stupid Suns and Ford animal. You're not going to root for that. You know, anyone who's all fired up about him. And, you know, the, the Packers fans have consistently shown from Favre to Rodgers to Rodgers to whoever that they're junk. Yeah. They're spoiled junk. I would agree with that,
2: and, and uh, <laughs> okay. I would also say that when you look at this from the perspective of being the biggest star in that state and in Milwaukee, right? Um, I love NBA. It's not, best on, at, as much as the next. Keep guy. going. You love NBA. But. I love the NBA absolutely, but there is no shot that Giannis Antetokounmpo is becoming going to become a bigger star than the quarterback
1: of the Green Bay Packers. Never Stop it. ever. Ever, never. Will not happen. So ridiculous. So uh, one of the interesting notes that uh, came out of the conversation earlier in the day, we should we should crunch some pads here. Thank you. We talked to Marcus Arroyo. Yeah, you did notice he said UNLV football is at 85%, moving towards 90% vaccinated. Mm-hmm. That's kind of massive. Uh, I think Craig Thompson told the press box this morning that uh, seven schools are at 85% or higher. There's a lot more than seven schools in the conference. So I was thrilled to hear that uh, UNLV uh, has gotten cooperation, most of the players are in, and that they learned their lesson from last year. You don't want to destroy your season by not taking this thing seriously. Yep, Absolutely. I would completely agree, especially with the uh, the
2: established parameter now with the Mountain West, that it's uh, no longer delays.
1: I hope. If, you, if you don't have enough players available, you forfeit. Do you like that? I do. Should that be the rule across all of college football and the NFL?
2: I think it should. And this isn't mainly – and I don't think this is a strong-arm kids to get a vaccine. I don't think about it from that angle. I just think about it as like, look, we have finite time here, okay? Yep. We are trying to get a season done. If you do not have the players available – because think about it, too. The parameters at which like you don't have enough guys available at a position, like, <laughs> you got to have a pretty big breakout if that's the case. We don't have time to move these things around. So if you don't have enough guys ready, you forfeit. End of story. We move on from there. I, I really like it. What do you think of the picks? I agree with them. Like I can understand where they're coming from completely, one hundred percent. Boise State, Nevada, picked to win divisions in the Mountain West preseason poll. I think my like I can understand everything with Boise, but I do think that. I don't know if people realize, obviously, the change that Boise is undergoing this year, right, with a brand-new coaching staff and Andy Avalos and what that is going to look like for this offense, right? I do think there are some questions at quarterback, you know, Bachmeyer as a quarterback has been up and down, and I know him and Sears got time and what that's going to look like because who's going to be the guy going forward? It's still going to be a very good team, but I don't know if they're going to be the dominant Boise unit of years past. So I do think, I think I wonder what's a, what that's going to be from a football perspective.
1: I think they will be in their division. Uh, to me, the conference has changed a little bit. I think the West division is just better. Oh, and and the battle between Reno and San Jose State, I would have voted for San Jose State, give them a, a slight edge. But the battle between the Spartans and Reno is going to be ridiculous. And it's going to come down to defense, and that's where I think San Jose State – has the edge, but the quarterbacks, the weapons, the speed on offense, it's off the charts. Yep, and uh, so you'll be happy to know then, Steve, you and I uh, lockstep together. I wrote the Mountain West
2: preview for v and uh, I picked San Jose State as my West representative. Why? They would have gotten my vote. Well, I think, one, quarterback is very important. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in this conference, but you get quarterback play back. But I would agree with you. That not only just the offense looks great, right? They have a lot of returning depth on offense. But I think what they're bringing back defensively is, like, yep. okay, pretty good here, man.
1: They, <laughs> have, they have kids up on the front line, Fajoko, who's yep. a smaller pass rusher, and Kate Hall is absolutely an NFL player. And he's, like, he's so physically big for this conference, he just rips people apart. Yep. Um, and they play with a nasty edge. Like, they're intimidating, which, I mean, think about it. San Jose State. Like, the, the culture change and the talent level change, uh, I will say that, Reno's team, I mean, their offense, John, Mm -hmm. I don't know why they ever run the ball, and they have two really good running backs. I I feel like they could throw deep on every play and have a great chance to complete it. Uh, Romeo Dubs emerged last year as just unstoppable, and he wasn't going into the year as the one. They have another kid bigger than him. Like, Dubs, it looks like he's like 6'3", 6'4", out there, Uh, and then they've got another guy who's like pushing 6'5", and their tight end is a freaking monster, and Starkle is good. Starkle is a guy who might be on an NFL roster. I mean, there are people talking about Carson Strong being a top-five quarterback in this draft coming up. So uh, it may be one of those games where, you know, if – if San Jose State simply gets a couple of stops, they can win the game, but they have to get the stops.
2: Mm-hmm. And, look, they do have to make the trip up to Reno, right, San Jose State, and that will probably be a game that very much decides what's going to happen in this division. Nevada's schedule, by the way, too, is a absolute bear. Like what they have to go through for, from a schedule in terms of non-con, the conference opponents that they face – a sneaky little slip-up spot against a team like Fresno State, who I think actually might be pretty good this yeah, year. Very dangerous on offense. And right. Ronnie Rivers is ridiculous. They're running back. Yep. So, like, there's – if you look, I just thought the thing that gave me the edge ultimately, I liked their defense a little bit better, and I thought the schedule was just a little bit more manageable for a team like San Jose State said, as opposed to Nevada.
1: On the way back, Caleb Herring, uh, one of the voices of UNLV football, played quarterback for the Rebels. He'll give us his take on the votes. And, by the way, UNLV did get the least amount of votes. They are picked for last in the division.
0: Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live on the road.
1: JBT, did you watch it? Space Jam? Not yet. No? No Space Jam 2? No, not yet. Yeah, you heard the promo where uh, Adam Hill and I disagreed on a lot of elements of the movie. Boy, Caleb Herring was tweeting out stuff. Uh, He's up with us now. I don't know what Caleb's talking about. Caleb, did you watch the same movie I did? Space
3: I Jam too. I, I did. I did. I watched Space Jam too. Why were you annoyed, I watched, why
1: were you annoyed by the beginning with LeBron? It, it, like that's that was the same thing they did for Jordan in the first movie.
3: I don't know. It didn't feel. I maybe this is just revealing about how I feel about LeBron. But I, it just didn't feel authentic. I feel like Jordan at that time uh, warranted more of that to me. And I think the story really? about Jordan it was more believable, more it was more cinematic <laughs> than it was a tribute to his you know his Majesty. You know, I, I think. Wow. I think that was just that. Uh, it, it, I don't know. Maybe just maybe it did show a little bias on my part. But it just maybe because I'm an adult now watching it, and I was a kid watching, you know, you know, Space Jam with Michael Jordan. So it just it rang differently in my in my mind. But I don't know. It felt kind of preachy. And then after the fact, I just the realization that none of Space Jam 2 happened in space or had anything to do with space or the extraterrestrial. That bothered me as well. There's a lot about the movie that bothered me. Well, I mean, and maybe st- I'm just an old gumpy guy.
2: I mean, technically, Space Jam One didn't take
1: place in space. Like there were aliens, but
3: there were the, aliens. But right? the actual it, it jam,
2: the jam, was the game.
1: Was, was the, the game at world. was the game at Moron Mountain or not? It wasn't.
3: No, it, it was that. I, I think at Moron Mountain was the idea that the the, the player Michael Jordan was going to be taken to space as a slave on Moron Mountain, yeah. and so it's space oh, wow. made sense. Like it was a space jam. Like you know, but. Now, it's like it's a tech jam. It's an it's a internet jam. I don't know what you want to call it, but it wasn't Space Jam. I don't know. Sounds like So, how do, weird, so how do you rank protest. them?
1: How do you rank them? Two over one or one over two?
3: Oh, the original was definitely better. I, I oh, definitely wow. appreciate the original way more. I think the, the Looney Tunes, for one, were more authentically Looney Tunes and got to shine on the stage more than, you know, Michael Jordan did, where... You know the quips by Bugs Bunny, the Lola Bunny, and all you know all the uh, don't ever call me doll. Those lines that are memorable to me were a part of the the first one. I don't think the second one had that for the Looney Tunes side. So I would I would rank the first space jam better.
1: Yeah, I agree that one was better than two, but I think uh, it was not LeBron's fault. LeBron is a much better actor than MJ, but the writers let down LeBron, so it's their fault. <laughs> I will always <laughs> deflect I, and defend LeBron. Uh, you a a I I think, even I think one is better flat. than two. Going, I, I think
3: having, I think, I think they could have had a lot more of EJ uh, on the sideline, Brock. That, would, that was a, a cool element that two had that one didn't. Um, so uh, there's a lot. There's a lot. I think the comedy aspect of one to me was more. Uh, I think it was it was funnier. That the lines didn't fall flat as often in the first one. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see.
2: Two two things. One, I would say that MJ acted very well when he was whiffing and striking out in the baseball scene in Space Jam One. Oh, that yeah. looked really oh, authentic. Yeah. Uh, and two. <laughs> Um, My question would be like, when you were looking at the game and like the characters themselves and everybody that took part in this, did you get to see a lot of footage of the basketball players who got their power stolen? Because for me, Space Jam 1, part of the highlight was like watching Charles Barkley and the like just like flounder around on the court and have no idea how to like drink water. And like, did you get any of that?
3: No, I, I did wow. and that, that I think is a part of it. Yeah. I think the, 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 the greatness of the first one, there was so much in that movie to, to kind of sink your teeth into where these players got their powers stolen and didn't know how. They didn't know what was going on. And to watch these great, you know, Larry Johnson, Charles Barkley, uh, Muggsy Bones not be able to play basketball, um, because of it, was was a, a different element. It added texture to the plot of the story. And I, I think that was, that was, you know, the fact that they stole their powers, and it was kind of conniving and sneaky like that. It was... I think that added layers to it. And I, the first one was just better. There's just a lot more texture to it. Charles Barkley, the scene with "You ain't you be gone, want be be gone." That was one of my like those lines. I, I loved that about the first Space Jam, and it, I didn't get it in Space Jam too, and I I was thoroughly disappointed. Um, but I guess the point is, my kid loved it, um, so that was important. I, it's for his generation. It wasn't for me. I guess the next generation of Space Jam, but I prefer the original.
1: Movie critic, football expert, NBA experts. Caleb Herring bringing the pop and sizzle to Cofield and Company here on a Wednesday. Uh, Do we put the asterisk on the latest title winner in the NBA? Do we downgrade the Bucs even though they won the title?
3: No, I don't. I I don't. And I think it's for a lot of reasons for Giannis personally, I think his decision to stay in Milwaukee where there were so many, you know, talking heads and takes where he should go somewhere else and demand, you know, to chase a ring and he's never going to do it in Milwaukee because the market's too small and they won't attract the big-time free agent that he needs. Well, I don't need him. Here we go. I won a championship without it. And look at your, your crippled and hobbled team over there in the net that, because of injury, couldn't perform. And That's a part of, the, that's a part of the, the, the climb to the top, right? Having to not only have the roster you need, but to have a healthy roster at the end. So I don't put an asterisk next to it. I, I take into account that he took on the team that bounced him, that we all criticized him for losing 2-4-1 last season. Um, and he came out and, and took that team on and, and basically handled business all throughout the postseason. So, um, and then him, he himself, Giannis overcoming injury with that with that knee injury, it could have been way worse. So, I think all things being considered, there's no asterisk next to this championship. I think they climbed the hill that was in front of them to climb. Um, it wasn't riddled with injuries like you know maybe the Western Conference was. If you look at the Suns' trip to the finals, it wasn't as bad there. Um, but I don't want to put an answer to it. The, the things that happened were natural to the game of basketball, and they came out on top. So, uh, kudos to Giannis and the Bucks for building up a team the right way and doing the hard work and 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 coming out with the with the hardware.
2: Caleb, the other side of it, you get Chris Paul, of course, losing at the at the peak, somewhere he has tried to get to for so long, and he has a two zero series lead, and he can't he cannot capitalize on it do you want Chris Paul in the Los Angeles Lakers Ari is so down on Chris Paul he wants to get rid of him for a third round pick even though there's only two rounds in the draft
3: Wow that's, that's deep uh, I, I don't I don't think I'm honestly that interested in having Chris Paul on this Lakers team I just constructed and it's because of the way that LeBron James is so ball-dominant. And you saw kind of the what what an example. Because Chris Paul is a ball-dominant player, and that's when he's at his best. He's manipulating the offense with the ball in his hand. And that's also when LeBron James is at his best. So both of those players existing on the same roster is just very difficult. It's sort of like uh, when Russell Westbrook and James Harden tried to coexist. It just, you take away from each of your stars and get a lesser version of them. Add to that, on top of that, uh, that Chris Paul is aging rapidly and he's this year is an anomaly in that he finished the season without being injured on the sideline it seems like every year he's dealing with some kind of injury where he's he's in, in crunch time missing because he's unavailable and he's an aging star as lebron is so i don't think uh going after chris paul and, and adding him to this roster helps long term for the lakers i think you get some immediate gratification but um i'm not a fan of that as you know steve from my rant on the show before i'm not enough, i'm not a big fan of chasing after stardom for that immediate gratification I'd rather build, you know, play for the long game and build up a roster um, and, and go after some young, capable talent than, than spend more uh, equity on a, uh, an aging star like Chris Paul.
1: So we got the football media days going on right now for the Mountain West Conference here at the Cosmopolitan. I'm talking football now with Caleb Herring. So the votes are in, uh, you know, picks in both of the divisions. Do you have a bigger problem with Boise or Reno being picked as the respective winner of their divisions?
3: There's an answer here that I'm going to say as a fan and as an alumni of UNLV, I have a bigger problem with Reno um, personally. Um, <laughs> as, you know, professionally and, and as an analyst of the game, I, I honestly would say there's a bigger question mark over, uh, over Boise State with, I think uh, JVT was talking about earlier, the turnaround that they're going through with the transition of a new coach. I think that's an underrated transition at the college level. Um, that is, is very hard to overcome when you talk about new systems and learning. You don't really know if you're going to get the full potential of the talent that you do have. Boise State may have more talent on the roster and more depth on both sides of the ball, but that transition is, I think, a bigger factor than most will give it credit for. So um, I actually do agree more. I would, I, would, I would say I agree more with the, the Wolfpack being the pick um, because of the, the strength of their offense alone. I think what they were able to do with Carson Strong and, and Romeo Dubs last year um, a thousand-yard receiver, I, I mean, NFL prospect for sure, coming into this season, uh, for both of them at their respective positions. I think those those components of, of their their high-powered offense, I think, being still intact, make them a a pretty much clear-cut favorite to me in the, on their side of the the conference. So I, I think I agree with that pick more than I do with Boise State.
2: Caleb, uh, who is the team? take you and the out of the equation. Who is the team that we are going to be talking about once this conference season is over that we did not see coming?
3: It's tough because I think if you really look hard enough, I think you see it coming at Fresno state mm-hmm. has the potential to be that team. I think with figuring out their quarterback situation and actually having a defined starter at the beginning of a season. I mean, remember last year they were kind of going back and forth with two quarterbacks. Um, and then with Ronnie rivers returning, I think, a kind of a throwback style of play, where the run game is probably the primary op- option on their offense. If they can uh, manage some some good defense in some of these games, they can win a lot of close games. If they have a formula to winning. If you know Hainer takes that next step at quarterback, and if Ronnie Rivers uh, continues to be the the NFL caliber running back that he is, along with some NFL talent on the offensive line, um, so I, I think they could be considered a sleeper. But if you really look at it, I think they 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 should be getting a little bit more respect. And the West is a, a tough side of the division. I mean, they, you talk about, you know, we getting the short end of the stick with, with the division, the way things are lining up for them. That's a tough division. So you can understand why Fresno will be, you know, not in the top two on that side. But I think they could creep up into the conversation late and being in for the conference title if they manage the game properly and, and perform to their capability. Uh,
1: national news on uh, name, image, likeness. We have updates every single week. I thought this one was real interesting. I kind of question why he mentioned it, but uh, Nick Saban talking about his new quarterback, Bryce Young, the kid out of Southern California, modern day former USC, commit, saying that he's approaching seven figures in NIL money. What do you think of that?
3: I, I think it's genius by Nick Saban is yeah. what I think of it. I think there's no way for us to fact check this. I, 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 I mean, we're not going to get his personal finances. We're not going to be looking at these guys' tax returns to see what they're making or anything like that. But Nick Saban essentially said to everybody out there, <laughs> if you are a top recruit and you want to maximize your NIL earnings, then come to Alabama because a guy that's not even played a down, our brand is big enough to supersede the fact that he hasn't played before, and now he's making almost seven figures. It's genius. It's, it's playing the game. I, and Nick Saban being ahead of everybody else on this, who kind of resisted and fought it coming, being ready with this, loaded, locked and loaded, to to shoot this out to the media. This is definitely strategic by Nick Saban to say that. I think some of his other, you know, comments about the 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 fair uh, playing field and and things like that are, are valid. And some of the things he says about players, you know, not having equal opportunity at um, the bidding war. I think he mentioned between top schools. That's always existed in other formats, other than you know compensation. Um, so he's always benefited from that at Alabama. But this is a way to be ahead of the curve as far as publicizing your NIL uh, model or the way that your players are benefiting from the NIL over other players because that is gold. You, I mean, that's a recruiting tool, and he just everybody heard that. And now you're thinking, if you're a top quarterback, well, I can become a millionaire just by going and playing quarterback at or committing to <laughs> Alabama. It's genius. I, I, I mean, it's ball game set right there. Nick Saban's going to get the best quarterback. the next 10 years
1: saban gets it he's player friendly he's changed with the times i don't know that i can say the same about mike leach what do you think about what he said about nil that uh, players should only get their money after they graduate
3: i think it's funny to to kind of play with that because as as i guess a branding mechanism for let's say a a company an outside company i contract incentives are things that have been around for for NBA players. It's a certain amount of points. It's winning the MVP or winning a title, making the playoffs, things like that. So, what do you do as a collegiate, you know, to guarantee that you're going to get your your end of the bargain, so to speak, if you're an endorsement company? I mean, you it, you basically guarantee that they're going to be there for the life of you know a, a four year degree or for four years of play, so or until they graduate, at least with maybe three years. So, I mean. And that way, I see maybe it could be a possibility that that could be a, a sort of a contract uh, incentive for, for players. I don't know if the goal of keeping players in college, which would I, I assume would, would be what Mike Leach was hitting at here, to keep players around longer. I don't think that's necessarily um, something that you want to be trying to manipulate. But if the player chooses that, hey, I'm a career college player or I'm going to make my, my best in life in college, i.e. Johnny Manziel, for instance, where his college career could have been the most lucrative of all time had this been, you know, a rule back then. And, you know, the post-college career, not so much. But I think this could have been something like that. A guy could make a a career out of being a college athlete and be set for the rest of his life. So, I mean, it it could be something that maybe people play around with. And then at the end of it, you incentivize getting a degree. So you have something to fall back on uh, should you not, which is kind of a thing that most people do once they reach the NFL anyway. Now, a lot of players – that are in the NFL go back and get their degree after this is just a way to make sure that maybe you know players get their degree in the meantime instead of putting it on hold there for five or six years down the road. I don't know. That's a that's an optimistic spin on it. It's kind of off the wall as is everything Mike Leach says. But I mean, who knows? This is the wild west we're playing in. It could become somebody's uh, prerogative to incentivize staying through the life year degree, and maybe maybe that could be for the best. Who knows?
2: Uh, Caleb, you're a lot nicer uh, than I expected out of that because I thought it was trash for Mike Leach. How about this, this, buddy? Uh, You don't get the money from your contract until you fulfill it, and you don't get to leave your school, right? You have to sit there and fulfill your contract as a coach. We see this all the time from coaches. And, and Leach, it's funny, like – I know he gets like the, hey, this guy talks about aliens in Bookfoot. I think he's kind of a garbage dude. Bingo. Yeah, and I think when you look at the way that he has talked about his players in the past in terms of calling them quitters or whatever it is, every time they lose a game, it's a player's fault, it's never his. The fact that he wants to withhold money from them until they graduate, but he can up and leave a job if he wants, if something better comes along. Yeah. uh, I just think that what he said was absolute trash, and I think he just wants to, again, make sure that players can't leverage their future, but coaches can perfectly do so.
3: Yeah, so I, I, so if it's coming from the university uh, to leverage the future, that I, am completely on board with what you just said. If it's Mike Leach making the decision, but as far as I'm concerned, endorsement from you know like Nike or or Adidas or whatever other small companies want to endorse a player, um, I, they don't. A player has the ability to choose those endorsements if they want to take those or not. So I, maybe the player sees it as a benefit to have a, the longevity of four years under Nike or whatever instead of a year-to-year deal. I don't know. But if it's, I, I am completely with you on that. If, if Mike Leach himself is saying that universities will only pay out this money if you graduate, that to me is ridiculous. And I, I don't think, I think that defeats the whole point of the name, image, and likeness concept, where you're giving power to the individuals to capitalize on their own means to make money. And by putting limitations on that based on your standard of when it's appropriate to make money or not, I think that's ridiculous. All right, so I agree with that. If it's coming from endorsement companies, outside agents, uh, like I said, I think it's a different thing, uh, and I think it can be transformed. and you might be right. I think Mike Leach may have strictly intended it that way, but he could be playing with a different game and maybe didn't really understand the concept of what he was actually saying because he's speaking from that kind of totalitarian do it my way and, and you'll make nothing while you play for me type of mentality.
1: Caleb, great job, man. That was awesome. Appreciate it.
3: All right, guys, take care. Have a good one. Take
1: there he is, one of the voices of UNLV football, Caleb Herring. John, that rant was so on point because that's what I thought of, too, when I saw the quote. I was like, you know, this guy gets so much credit for being, like, some quirky genius because he, he, you know, he goes offbeat with the topics, and then his true character pops up all the time, and you see who he really is. And this is exactly why – sorry, as I'm sitting in a room full of coaches. This is exactly why the schools and the coaches can't be involved, really. Mm-hmm. In NIL, because they would block stuff. And there are too many coaches who are more about themselves than about the players. Yep. And, and the other thing is, I to me, Mike Leach would be so easy to recruit against. Yes. He's got so many red flags. I mean, I'll throw on top of that, uh, you know, talk about African-American players going to Mississippi. You know, and obviously I know he's at Mississippi State, but that state. And then the way he acts, I, I don't know how he gets guys. Yep, I completely agree. I've I've never really liked him.
2: He has always been the the player's fault, not mine type of guy, whenever it comes to losses. And little things like this shine through when it comes to giving the players a little bit of a piece of the pie. And the coaches have always annoyed me with that. I can go wherever I want, whenever I want. But you as a player, oh, get paid?
0: You lose me at that. I can't have that. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company I don't care if the sun don't
1: shine I do my drinking in the evening time When I'm in Las Vegas You can sit in the sun and camp Fat Pack time I get my color from a sun ray Von Tobel's in, aspiring chef Part of the Cofield and Company cooking crew You like the finer things, but you know you, you can do your your share of fast food, right? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, Steve, hey, let's go.
2: <laughs> my body's uh, my body is a dojo, but uh, oh.
1: the doors are open. I was gonna say your body's not a temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giannis last night, his first choice. Um, first was off, Chick Fil A. Uh, first off, Steve. Yes, he won a
2: championship. It was last. It was not last night. It was this morning. Um, the man did not sleep. So oh, he, really? Yeah, no. He Actually, he did an IG Live Instagram, for those who don't know. Um, at least that's what the kids say. And he had the MVP trophy, the Larry O'Brien trophy, with him in the car. Uh, during the broadcast, he also admitted that he stole the trophy from the team and did not ask. So I wonder nice. if there's actually some truth to that. But, yeah, pulled up to um, the, the um, Chick-fil-A drive-thru. Told the girl it was great because the girl. By the way, it goes back to our conversation about Aaron Rodgers and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's going to be the bigger star. The girl that was working the drive-through had no idea who she was or who he was. None. Oh no. But he's filming her, and he goes, "Can I film you?" And she says, "Yes." He goes, "Okay, cool. You're live in front of 150,000 people right now," and she looks astonished. She's like, "What? Really?" And he tells her, "I want." To, did he call them chicken minis? So I, I guess he called them chicken called them mac mac nuggets. Yeah, like and like mac minis and. You know, I'm not going to fault him too much. He's the NMVP and the two-time MVP of the regular season. Uh, but I think he was just ordering 50 chicken nuggets. But to me, you want to know what the takeaway was? He's just like me and you, Steve, his drink order. His drink order was half Sprite, half lemonade, no ice.
1: You and me. I mean, we all have our quirks in terms of drinks. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, thought you, I, I thought you were saying that no, we also like, like that drink.
2: No, not like a specific. Like, you like that, too. No. Like, you know, he all... What was he's, it? He's uh, Half lemonade, half Sprite with no ice. What's your quirk? You don't like half lemonade? I go, actually, I go lemonade orange soda.
1: Really? Oh, yeah. And then no ice. You can't water it down. Come on. I have never gone half and half. What?
2: Ever, you've never done the. Uh, this term needs to be updated, so I don't know, but I'll just call it this for now. Uh, the the suicide at the the fountain. You ever done this? What? It's where you get a little bit of every fountain soda. You get it in your cup, and, and that's called the suicide. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, I was like, is it, nine. Is, it that, is it that risky? No, I think I was like nine or ten when my friends you could get it that. poisoned. So, yeah, I mean, it's every it's every it's every soda that is available at the fountain that you're at, and you got to mix them all together and you drink it.
1: I had no idea you could request this. Well, I mean, it's when you serve yourself. No, not the not that one. I'm saying the half and half. Oh, well yeah. I mean I think you can. It's Chick fil A. I didn't know that. I mean, they'll
2: bend over backwards for it. That's you. a good point. They are nice people. Right. And then when you see people are walking up to his car and screaming, Yannis Like you're like, Hey, this guy's kind of important. Maybe we should She has no idea. <laughs> probably acquaint like well, and like you said, he ordered the fifty Mac Minis and he goes, Not fifty one, not forty nine, I want fifty. That's exactly how he ordered. Oh, wow. And she's kind of just like Okay, and she types in something on the menu. Like, I don't know what he eventually got, but, yeah, the Mac the, the, the order was different. I think he just wanted chicken nuggets.
1: 364-1100, uh, caller 11, lunch for two. You get two port of subs, all-American combos, turkey, ham, bacon, provolone on peppercini, pepper, jack, bread. I've nailed that every wow. time. It sounds really good, too. All grilled to perfection. You get your choice of chips and, as the copy nicely says, and a drink's. Uh, which may mean you can do the, the mix thing. You could do half and half. The mix They're thing. nice people. They're nice people at Porta Subs. So uh, take advantage of that right now. Two Porta Subs All American combos. Caller 11 364 1100.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling.
4: I'm gonna kill your bookmaker. I'm gonna rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 free,
1: free, 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 free. All right, John. Let's get into a little bit of the uh, British Open recap and also look ahead to the expansion draft tonight. Our gambling expert on Wednesdays is Brian Blessing over at K-Shop, uh, internationally on Sirius XM Channel 204. Brian, how you doing, buddy?
4: Hey, uh, good to see you, Steve, or here, you. Steve, John, how are you guys doing?
1: We're good. We're good. Uh, I expected to see you Sunday, the Saturday, and the Sunday overnight into the morning, but I, I whatever happened to the invite to the big British Open viewing deal? Cool.
4: Well, it was supposed to be a go. A certain tall uh, partner of John's decided huh. to go on a golf trip, and uh, I was told there was no get together, no soirée.
1: What? Oh, oh, humans is the organizer. I thought you were.
4: I well, I used to be. Then he took oh, it over. I... No, he made it sound like there was nothing going on. He went out of town. Oh god! He
2: just didn't want to miss out on the party. That's what it was. He's like, nah, nothing's happening. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not well, here.
4: We had a- had our golf pool going, and and I was in c- competition with him. I I was you know certainly I was laser focused on the Open and happy to be home the way it turned out. So <laughs> it was fun,
1: oh, unbelievable. All right, why were you happy? Uh, did you have Morikawa?
4: Uh, well, had, you know you draft the team thing. We had a, our team was good. We had uh, Louis, and wow. I, I could tell my grandchildren a story that Sergio Garcia actually came through for somebody. I had <laughs> Sergio. Victor Hovland shot 66 on Sunday, and the guy that actually uh, helped us win the gun thing, we had McKenzie Hughes. We got him with our last pick of the draft. Wow.
1: How good is Morikawa going to be? I mean, obviously, the numbers he's putting up here, winning two majors before he's 25, how good is he going to be?
4: It's like anything, Steve. You sit here, you two majors at 24. You know, we saw Spieth do the same thing. We saw Rory do the same thing. Uh, then we saw Spieth go through Travail's. And Rory's got a drought going on now. There's no reason to say something like that's going to happen to him. He's an incredible ball striker, you know. Sustaining it, it you know, he's young and fearless, and you know, I, there's every reason to think he's going to win a boatload more. But you know, it's, it's not easy to win majors. But he certainly seems to be on the right track.
2: Brian, am I am I wrong? Because look, I haven't been watching golf as long as you have, but I, I can unequivocally say that. That for me was the single greatest golf performance I have personally watched. Like it, because the way how dominant he was with his irons, the putt shots that he the, the putts that he was hitting, getting up and down in key situations. He didn't three putt the entire tournament, right? Like for me from start to finish, that was one of the best performances I have personally ever seen. Am I wrong in thinking that like just watching it, that was that was incredible what Morikawa did for that tournament?
4: Okay, I'm not going to I'm not taking away any, from anything he did. And, yes, it was phenomenal. And where he won the tournament, his ball striking is always spot on. Mm-hmm. But it was his putting where he uses two different grips and sometimes his putting gets sketchy. But he made clutch 20-footers to save par, a clutch birdie when Spieth was coming at him. His putter won him the tournament. The one thing I would say, John, and not to go nuts over the top about it because it was great. But that was a weird British Open. It was 70 and sunny all four days. The wind condition was the exact same wind condition all four days. He just, it fit him. He, you know, he played the same thing. Everything else, everybody else had to play. I, I wouldn't go bananas about it because it was not really a true Open because the conditions were not that big a factor.
2: When it comes to Spieth, is he sticking around for a good while now, or do you think that we're going to see this again from him where he dips off of the, uh, the top of the leaderboards frequently as he did for what, actually, since that open win, what, 2017?
4: Well, it's almost the same question you asked about Morikawa. I yeah. mean, I've said this forever. If Tom Watson didn't get the putting yips where for 15 years he couldn't make a four-footer to save his life, Tom Watson would have been the guy that went by Jack Nicklaus he almost won the British Open when he was 60. I mean, he's that that great a ball striker. There's so many things, Steve, in the game of golf that it just it gets between your ears. It's more of a mental thing than anything. And you you watch Spieth and all the machinations he goes through. Right now he's sorted it out. But I could see, you know, next year one little thing sets him off and, and he gets goofy again. It's a tough game.
1: Brian Blessing is with us. All right, Brian. I'm all fired up, you know. Carve out some time tonight. Uh, I'm recording the NHL <laughs> expansion draft. I want to watch it. Watch on the, out. on, on short... the internet. hold on a second, Brian. On the internet, this is worse than anything that's ever been done during the NFL and NBA drafts. What is going on? Like every selection has been leaked already. This sucks. I said the
4: same thing. I don't. I don't begrudge Frank Saravelli, Pierre no. LeBron, Elliot Friedman and Darren Dreger and these guy, all these guys that have, you know, the hockey insiders that have all their contacts around the league for getting this, the league is got to be mortified that, that it's the agents. I'll tell you that. Right, Brian, e- uh, Brian. How about ESPN? Pretty-
1: your first big event out, and it's been it's not ruined because not everyone's on the internets, uh, but for the hardcores, they already know. ESPN must be pissed. No, I mean, we, I'm doing the show today.
4: I cannot stand to watch any sporting event that I know the result of. So I started to give the roster today. I said, "Wait a second, which is probably not a good thing. I mean, you would be doing the same thing. I said, "Hey, if you want to watch this thing tonight, change the channel. <laughs> you know, turn yeah. it off. Turn Don't listen." Caulfield. Here it comes. I mean, and it's crazy. And I'm—I was trying to remember. Maybe you guys can. When Vegas had their draft night, and I remember most of it. We knew, you know, a decent amount, but not that much. Flurry, uh, England, Garrison, who have basically had a cup of coffee here, and McNabb were the four guys that walked out on the stage. And there was some suspense. There were, you know, no, at the time, we all know what they are now. Nobody knew William Carlson. They didn't know about the Margesville-Smith thing. Uh, they didn't know if they were going to get Theodore Random. We didn't know any of that that night. Tonight, we know everything.
1: Why no Carey Price? I'm not going to give you the three goalies they took. Like you said, I don't want to spoil it, but we know they didn't take Carry Price. Why not take him? Why not destroy the Canadians?
4: I thought they could, and then you're in the same boat. I mean, if twelve million dollars of goaltenders don't work, thirteen million certainly doesn't. But <laughs> you you could have gotten Carey Price, even if he has a knee, you know, a, a knee scope or whatever it's going to be. Even if he missed two thirds of the season, you could do what Tampa Bay did with Kucherov, put him on LTIR, and then you could move him of some monster asset down the road or trade the goalie that's been reported yesterday. So this isn't really giving away the store. They signed a UFA deal that Chris Gridger will count as their pick for Florida. He's a decent goaltender. He would have value at the trade deadline when Price would be healthy. It, it, it's a philosophic thing. Maybe their doctor said, hey, what he's got really is an issue, or they just felt it wasn't worth tying up that kind of money because Ron Francis said salary cap and having cap space is the way he wants to build this team. Price would tie up $13 million in cap space.
1: Based on the players you've seen so far, we don't know all the free agents. Well, maybe we do. Um, I saw that so said the Kraken would be a playoff team this first year. Do you agree?
4: Well, the one thing they've got going in their favor is the division they play. Yeah. And, by the way, they're playing Vegas on opening night, so they're kind of throwing these guys to the wolves out of the gate. Good. But you're in a division with Arizona, L.A., and Anaheim and San Jose's nothing to write home about at the moment. So they get a running start in that regard. I'd be a fool to say, no, I don't see it. I've seen a projected season win total of 66.5 points for these guys. After the rosters announced, I'd envision that point total probably goes up to around 70. And you can't look at it. And, again, we don't want to give away the names, and I'm glad you're doing that. But you look at it, and you're not, like, overly wowed by it, but honestly – what was your opinion? I mean, then I mean, I you know obviously you know live for this stuff. I saw the Golden Knights roster go. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. We'll see. I mean, the plan was to trade a third of those guys at the trade deadline, right. and they ended up keeping everybody and going for the Stanley Cup. Right.
2: I was at the expansion draft, and I, I sat there in T-Mobile, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that guy's going to be any good, like the entire time. <laughs> uh, and then sure enough, uh, there Very they good. were at the end of the first year. Hey, Brian, I'm, I'm curious. So I, I made this point to Steve. I want to get your thoughts on it because we see the belly aching of the hardcore NHL fan, right? Like, Vegas was gifted a team. This is so unfair. This This is ridiculous. The Vegas fans, I think, should be kind of invested in the future here in Seattle because I think if Seattle fails to get off the ground in the next few years, it just goes to show that this front office has done a phenomenal job with the Vegas Golden Knights, and we're not gifted this franchise. They have done a great job of drafting those guys, uh, developing some of them, but also just cultivating the formula of winning and keeping this franchise in the position that it's been in.
4: Those people that say that stuff are complete and utter morons. (laughs) The bottom line is it wasn't that the NHL gifted Vegas anything. It's that upwards of a dozen general managers turned into a box of rocks overnight and made ridiculous deals and overvalued their own guys that they protected and gave up on guys that Vegas McCrimmon and McBee targeted. Vegas earned everything they got. Seattle, I believe, will be okay. I, you know, it's hard to say you're looking at something on paper. I think they'll be okay. There's no way they can mirror what Vegas did. But that was not what the league gave Vegas. It's what Vegas did with a master plan and the stupidity of other general managers.
1: Brian Blessing, not a box of rocks. Good job, Brian.
4: <laughs> All right, boys. Always good. See you later. You, <laughs> can, well, you can watch Hell's Kitchen. I mean, you you know with the roster. <laughs> well,
1: I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. I want the drama. I want the drama. Me Thanks, too. Brian. See you wanted him to drop in his ham sandwich reference. He's always good with those one-liners. John Von Tobel's here. Everything kind of hit a lull. Everyone's wrapping up at the football media day. Uh, we have another great hour on the way, though. We're going to talk to Darren Waller, the tight end of the Raiders, and also uh, get into the Bucks title, asterisk, and CP3 to the Lakers next. Maybe.
0: The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.